Alpha and Omega, the story we find ourselves in. Chapter 5, The King Forms His People, Covenant and Law. After the deliverance of his people from Egypt and the crossing at the Red Sea, God led his people out of Egypt to meet with him at Mount Sinai. But first he wanted to meet with Moses alone. Much of the narrative in the remaining books of the Pentateuch centers on Moses, his relationship with God, his leadership of the people, and their response to him. Moses had a unique relationship with God, regularly meeting with God and speaking with him face to face as a man speaks to his friend. But yet, the Bible says Moses was a very humble man, more so than anyone on the face of the earth. The Lord called Moses up to Mount Sinai and immediately affirmed what we have come to know as the Mosaic Covenant and its standards, which defined God's covenant promises and Israel's covenant responsibilities as God's people. All of this described the nature of the relationship between God and his people for the next step of the journey. The first thing God affirmed was a sort of committed, deeply personal love that would define their relationship. Exodus 19 records God saying, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God not only promised to be their God and King, and to continue to provide his care all the way to the promised land, he gave the same people who had been slaves for generations a royal identity and holy purpose. When Moses came back down the mountain, he told the people what God had said, and that they had three days to consecrate themselves for their own meeting with holy God. That preparation included ritual bathing, special clothing, and abstinence from sexual activity. On the morning of the third day, God's awesome presence was physically evident as Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it with fire. There was thunder and lightning, earthquakes, the sound of trumpet blasts, probably a shofar, growing louder and louder. The people were terrified and insisted that Moses meet with God for them. So Moses went up into the cloud of the presence of God on Mount Sinai and met with God for 40 days. It was there that he received the tablets that defined the specifics of the covenant expectations for his people. The Ten Commandments set Israel apart from all other nations by their commitment to serve and obey the one true God. God himself had engraved on stone tablets the Ten Commandments and his law. The first four commandments, You shall have no other gods before me, have no images or idols, no vain use of God's name, and the call to keep the Sabbath, dealt with the people's vertical relationship with God. In other words, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Last six commandments, honor your parents, don't commit murder, don't commit adultery, do not steal, do not lie, do not covet, deal with people's horizontal relationships with others, love your neighbor as yourself. The law of God further defined Israel's uniqueness in their worship, relationships, and ethical behavior, addressing everything from marriage and divorce to weights and measures 
sexual behaviors, matters of justice, health and dietary practices, and more in great detail. Both before and after Moses went up the mountain, the people affirmed their willingness to abide by the stipulations of the covenant. They said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do and we will be obedient. God's response to that? Oh, that they had such a heart as this always to fear me and keep all my commandments that it might go well with them and with their descendants forever. In the coming chapters of the story, we'll see how those commitments played out. Now, the commandments and the law were not all Moses received on Mount Sinai. At the same time, God gave Moses the pattern for the construction of the tabernacle. The portable tent, which along with its furnishings, was designed by God as the place of Israel's worship from the time they left Sinai through their years of wilderness wanderings until they entered the promised land. It was constructed largely from the treasures that the Egyptians had given Israel as they left on the night of the Passover, precious metals, animal skins, fabric, and more. There are three areas of its design, the outer courts, where the people gathered to pray, the holy place, where the priests assisted the people in the offering of their regular sacrifices for sin and fellowship, and finally the holy of holies, walled off by a thick curtain which housed the Ark of the Covenant, a gold box that contained the tablets of the law and represented the presence of God to the people. It stayed in the darkness and can only be entered one day a year by the high priest. The tabernacle was erected in the middle of the camp as symbolic that Israel's relationship with God was to be at the center of all they were and all that they did. Moses also received God's instruction for the priesthood that was assisted the people to worship God, their worship practices, Sabbath, seasonal feasts and festivals, and the sacrificial system the regular sacrifices for confession, submission, and thanksgiving that were to mark Israel's life. The priests came only from the family and tribal line of Aaron, that's the tribe of Levi, Moses' brother, and the head of the priestly line of Israel. Aaron was Moses' closest confidant and served as his voice to the people. So it made sense that when God established the priesthood, Aaron would be designated as the first priest. The priests were set aside by consecration, served on a regular rotation, wore specific clothing while serving, and were to strictly follow specific practices as they assisted the people with their sacrifices. God gave Aaron a blessing to regularly speak over the people of Israel, a reminder of his heart for his people. Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. As to their worship practices, all Israel was expected to observe Sabbath weekly, ceasing from all work in order to rest and worship as an expression of ongoing dependence on God. The people offered regular sacrifices to express praise to God, thanksgiving to God for His gifts, confession of sin, and submission of their lives to Him. There were also annual and seasonal festivals, often tied to the rhythms of planting and harvest, that marked different parts of Israel's story of deliverance, including Passover. Each festival was marked by specific rituals, a meal or a fast, and or a sacrifice. In addition to Passover, another crucial time each year was the Day of Atonement, 
that one day a year when the high priest was allowed to enter the Holy of Holies to make blood sacrifice for the unconfessed sins of the people. After sacrifices for his own sin, the high priest placed his hands on a live goat, confessed the sins of the people, and then had a man drive the goat into the wilderness. This is where we get the concept of a scapegoat. All that day, the people did no work and fasted. The entire book of Leviticus is dedicated to the description of the priesthood and the worship practices of Israel. In the same way that the law was not just rules, these were not just mere religious rituals. They served as a reminder of God's faithfulness, Israel's identity, and their calling as God's holy people. The New Testament later affirmed that the tabernacle, the sacrificial system, and festivals were shadows pointing to the reality of Jesus, with Christ himself being the fulfillment of each. All of this was first given to Moses on Sinai. And you remember Israel's commitment to obey God? All the Lord has spoken, we will do. Even during those 40 days, while Moses was on the mountain with God, the people stepped into rebellion against God. They grew impatient with Moses' delay and began to insist on having a God they could physically see. They sought to merely add Yahweh to the gods they had for generations seen worshipped in pagan Egypt. Aaron gave in to the pressure of the people and helped them build a golden calf as an idol. But the actions of worship they had learned from the Egyptians were unholy and immoral. So when Moses returned and saw their uncontrolled behavior, he broke the God-engraved tablets in a fury, burned the golden calf, and led a harsh judgment against the people. He then went back up the mountain where he interceded to protect the people from God's judgment. When God threatened to abandon Israel, Moses pleaded with God to continue to accompany his people on their journey to the promised land. God reaffirmed his covenant with a heart of grace and gave Moses a new copy of the tablets. The book of Exodus concludes with the erection of the tabernacle and with God's glory filling it with his presence. After Israel had been camped around Sinai for a couple of years, the cloud lifted over the tabernacle and the people set out on their journey to the promised land. The tribe of Judah broke camp first and led the way. The book of Numbers begins appropriately with a census of the people. Along the way, though God continued to provide all their needs, the people still often complained and grumbled against Moses. And he often complained about them in his prayers to the Lord. Twelve spies in Canaan, their reports in Israel's choice. When Israel neared the border of Canaan, the promised land, God instructed Moses to send a group of twelve men, one from each of the twelve tribes of Israel, to spy out the land. They were to bring back details about the people, their cities and fortifications, the land and its produce. The expedition lasted 40 days. When the spies returned, their report began with their agreement that the land was as good and beautiful as God had promised his people since Abraham. From that point, however, the spies brought a split report. Ten of the spies urged Israel to retreat because it is a land that devours its inhabitants. The cities of Canaan were large and well fortified, and besides, there were giants in the land, and the spies said, We seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. The other two spies, however, Joshua and Caleb, brought the minority report and pleaded with the people to trust God and advance because we are well able to overcome the land. 
If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into the land and give it to us. Do not rebel against the Lord, and do not fear the people of the land. Their protection is removed, and the Lord is with us. The people had a choice to make between the two reports. Out of fear and a lack of trust in God, the people voted with the majority report and chose not to proceed. They began making plans to replace Moses and return to Egypt. God saw this and again threatened to wipe out the whole nation and start over with Moses alone. Moses again interceded for the people and pled for mercy for Israel. God's judgment was still severe. None of the men of that generation would enter the promised land. Until that time, the nation of Israel would wander in circles in the wilderness for 40 years until all those men died. And so Israel entered their wilderness wandering years. They would regularly engage in battle with nations on the borders of Canaan. God's hand of protection remained on his people. He gave Israel favor to win those battles. One time, he even used a talking donkey to make sure Israel got blessings that accursed. But still the people often struggled to trust God and often grumbled against Moses. After that generation died, it was finally time for Israel to enter the promised land. By now, though he was still leading Israel, Moses was very old. Since he had been there from the beginning, he took the opportunity to remind Israel of their story with God to this point, the good and the bad, of the covenant he had entered with them, and of the law God had commanded that they learn, live, and pass the succeeding generations. The book of Deuteronomy means second word. So it was a second giving of the law, with much of Israel's experience of Moses' teaching recorded in Exodus repeated here. It is full of warm encouragements, reminding the people of God's blessing and stern warnings, remind them of the cost of disobedience. He led them to renew the covenant with God that had been initiated on Mount Sinai. Part of that training included the formulation of the Shema, which is the defining confession of Israel's faith built on passionate, whole-life love for God. When Moses reminded Israel of God's law, their covenant relationship with him, and their history that was to be passed on to the next generation, he said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Shema is the Hebrew word for hear. Hear, O Israel. Jesus later identified this as the first and greatest commandment, which together with love your neighbor as yourself, sums up all the law and the prophets. Moses' life was nearing its end. But after all these years of leading Israel in that direction, he would not step over into the promised land. Years earlier, as a discipline for an act of disobedience that focused the people's attention on Moses' power rather than God's glory, God had forbidden Moses from entering into the promised land. Still, to the end of his days, Moses pointed the people of Israel to God encourage them to trust and obey him, and warn them of the consequences of disobedience and compromise. He publicly passed the mantle of leadership to Joshua and encouraged him to follow the Lord and to lead the people with courageous strength. Moses sang over the people a song about God's character and blessed the people with prayer prophecy over each tribe. The Lord took Moses alone to the top of Mount Nebo and gave him a vision of all the promised land from north to south and east to west. He said, This is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. Moses died there. The Bible says 120 years old. 
yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength and vitality diminished. And the Lord buried him in a hidden place. And all Israel mourned the death of Moses. Moses.